2: For this episode, we're going back to September 1986. On September 26, 1986, 15-year-old Lori Tremblay lived with her mother in an apartment in Houston, Texas. Lori had spent much of her youth with her grandparents in Michigan. Her mother had just turned 20 days before she was born. Her father had abandoned her and her mother when her mother was still pregnant. Lori lived with her grandparents while her mother tried to get her life together. Her mother had worked three jobs to prepare for Lori to live with her. When Lori was 10, she moved to Houston to live with her mother. When Lori moved to Houston, she was depressed and missed Michigan. As a result, she didn't do well in school and had to be transferred to an alternative school in downtown Houston. To get to the school, she had to walk to a bus stop near her house and take a bus downtown. On September 26, 1986, Lori left her apartment alone at about 6.30 a.m. About an hour later, her dead body was found behind a restaurant near her apartment. She was fully clothed, but of her shoes was off, her purse was not close to her body. The medical examiner determined that she had been strangled with some type of cord. It did not appear that she had been sexually assaulted. The police were at loss as to who would want to kill the fifteen-year-old girl. It was not long before the case went cold. Here is
0: a quick word from our sponsor.
1: We take this few seconds off to inform you, our valued loyal listener, about the best health and fitness podcast shows from the Nespod Studios. Enjoy the show.
2: Six years went by without no rest. In April 1992, Maria del Carmen Estrada was working as a nanny in Houston. On April 16th, she left her home to catch a bus to meet a friend. A few hours later, the police were called to a Dairy Queen restaurant not far from her house. Maria's body was found in the drive-thru. Her pantyhose and underwear had been pulled down to her knees. She had been strangled to death with a homemade tourniquet made from a cord. The medical examiner found semen in her mouth. They also found human tissue under her fingernails. The police started by looking at Maria's boyfriend, but he had an airtight alibi. Then they started questioning sex offenders, but... They couldn't connect anyone to the murder. At the time, the police did not link Marie and Lori's murders. They happened six years apart and the victims were different enough not to connect them. But there were similarities. Both Maria and Lori were walking alone in the morning when they were kidnapped. They were strangled to death with a cord. Finally, in both cases, their bodies were dumped on the properties of restaurants. Another thing they had in common is other cases quickly went cold. Less than a year and a half later, on October 19, 1993, a 14 year old girl returned to her Houston home after school. A man wearing a bandana over his face was in her home. He bound the girl, cut off her clothes, and raped her. He threatened to come back and kill her if she told anyone. But the girl was taken to the hospital and the attack was reported to the police. A semen sample of the rapist was collected. Another year and a half went by. Then on October 7th, 1984, the police were called to the loading dock of a business in Houston. Workers had made a gruesome discovery. It was the new dead body of a little girl. The body was identified as 9-year-old Diana Rebelar, who went missing about 12 hours earlier. Her mother had sent her to a nearby store to buy some sugar, and she never returned home. She was sexually assaulted and strangled to death. A homemade tourniquet was wrapped around her throat. It was made with a nylon cord and a bamboo stick. The cord turned out to be a parachute cord. The police instantly saw connections between the murder of Diana and Maria del Carmen Estrada. Both were young, small Hispanic females with long hair... Who were strangled to death with a tourniquet and then their bodies were dumped in driving areas of businesses. Diana's body was dumped on a loading dock and Maria's body was found in the drive through of a Dairy Queen. No DNA evidence was found on Diana's body. But since the police thought that Diana and Maria's murders were connected, they decided to have a DNA profile made from the genetic material left at Maria's crime scene. However, they were only able to create a partial profile. But it was enough to compare to persons of interest. However, no match to the partial profile was found. After a few months, both cases were considered cold. A month later, on July 14th, 1995, 23-year-old Barbara Mcnana was working as the assignment editor for NBC television news affiliate KPRC in Houston part of her job was to answer the tip line around noon she got a call from a male who said there's a serial killer out there McDaniel asked how do you know the caller then said I'm going to tell you where you can find a body McDaniel didn't believe the man but then he gave her directions to a field north of Houston close to the George H.W. Bush Intercontinental Airport Meganna was having problems with the directions, and the man snapped at her. Then she realized that this may not be a prank, so she wrote down everything he said. He said that the body was at the end of a dead-end road in some tall grass. He told her that her name was Ruby, and she was born on May 11th, and she was 15 years old. Meganna then asked if she was talking to the killer. The caller didn't respond, so she repeated the question. He chuckled and then hung up. McGanna then called the police who did a search of the area. After a few hours of searching, the police came upon the decomposing body of a young woman. Around her neck was a tourniquet. This time, the tourniquet was made from yellow rope and a toothbrush. The police learned that the victim's name was not Ruby. Instead, it was the dead body of 16-year-old Dana Sanchez went missing 8 days earlier on July 6, 1995, after she left her home to go use a payphone. Taylor's murder was immediately linked to the two other tourniquet murders. A task force was created to find the serial killer known as the Tourniquet Killer before he struck again, but after 6 months, no arrests were made and the task force was disbanded. The killings also seemed to have stopped. No more bodies were found, and there were no more mysterious phone calls. So the case is, is that cold? In November 2002, seven years after the murder of Dana Sanchez, Cold Case investigators reopened the case of the three murdered females. The first thing they did was have the ligature and toothbrush from Dana Sanchez's murder sent for DNA testing. But the DNA evidence on the items was too degraded. So the case went cold again.
1: It's Nasty Boy CC, the truest story never told. Go get a load of that happiness because happiness is healthy as we know it. Join us every week as we continue to provide you the best of health and fitness wellness updates from around the globe. Enjoy the show.
2: In September 2003, evidence from the two other murders were sent to a lab that specializes in DNA. It had been 11 years since Maria Carmen Strada was killed, and the police believed she was the first victim of the tourniquet killer. But it had really been 17 years since he murdered for the first time. A lot had changed in those 17 years. In 1986, worldwide, the three biggest movies were Top Gun, Crocodile Dundee, and Platoon. Popular TV shows that debuted in 1986 include Matlock, Elf, and Dragon Ball. Some famous books released in 1986 were Stephen King's It, Love You Forever by Robert Munch, and The Prince of Tides by Pat Conroy. Some of the most popular comic books in 1986 were Watchmen, The Dark Knight Returns, and Mouse. In the world of music, That's What Friends Are For by Dionne Warwick, Gladys Knight, Elton John, and Stevie Wonder, Say You, Say Me by Lionel Richie, and I Miss You by Climax, were the biggest songs of the year. 17 years later, in 2003, the biggest movies in the world were The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, Finding Nemo, and The Matrix Reloaded. 2003 saw the debut of the television shows NCIS, Nap Men, and Arrested Development. Popular books released in 2003 were the Kite Runner* by Khalid Hassani, The Da Vinci Code by Dan Brown, and the fifth book in the Harry Potter series, The Order of the Phoenix, by J.K. Rowling. As for comics in 2003, both The Walking Dead and Invincible started their runs and Marvel released an eight book series called Marvel 1602. Marvel 1602 was written by Neil Gaiman and it features several Marvel heroes and villains like Spider-Man and Doctor Doom and Elizabethan England. The three biggest singles of 2003 were in a club by 50 Sun, Ignition by R. Kelly and Get Busy by Sean Paul. Another major change between 1986 and 2003 was the improvement of DNA technology. Experts were finally able to create a full profile from the DNA found under Maria's fingernails. Then the DNA was entered into the FBI's combined DNA index system, a.k.a. CODIS. Just an hour later, the DNA expert learned that a match had been found. The DNA belonged to 41-year-old Anthony Allen Shore. Shore's DNA was in CODIS because in 1998, he had been convicted of molesting his two daughters. The police decided to investigate Anthony Shore. Shore was born on Ellsworth Air Force Base in Rapid City, South Dakota. As a child and a teenager, Shore's family moved around a lot, so he never made friends. It was just easier that way when he left town. His parents constantly fought, and their marriage was supposedly racked with infidelity. At school, Shore often got into fights. His mother was also apparently abusive. Shore claims that when he was 13 or 14, his mother molested him. However, his mother and the rest of the family denied this. At age 15, Shore's parents split up. When Shore was around the age of 16, he started smoking marijuana and drinking. When he was 17, he started harassing and stalking girls he was attracted to. Around this time, he dropped out of high school. He also got legally emancipated from his parents. In 1983, when he was 21, he moved to Texas. In March 1984, he got married. Weeks after the wedding, his first daughter was born. She was later diagnosed with autism. In June 1985, his second daughter was born. In March 1993, after years of marriage, Short confessed to his wife that he had multiple affairs. He decided to leave his family. In 1994, 32 year old Shore started dating an 18 year old woman. The following year, his daughters accused him of sexually abusing them, but charges weren't filed until 1997. That same year, Shore married his long term girlfriend. In 1998, Shore made a plea deal regarding the sexual abuse of his daughters. He had to just pay a fine and he avoided jail time. He also had to give a sample of his DNA. In 1999, his second wife filed for divorce, in part because of his violent tendencies. He liked to drug her and choke her during sex. She became convinced he was eventually going to kill her. The police realized that Anthony Shore was a good person of interest in the tourniquet killer case. On October 24, 2003, they arrested him at the record yard where he worked for the murder of Maria del Carmen Estrada. Shore was brought into an interrogation room He was questioned with the murders of the three victims that the police knew about Then after a few hours, Shore told the detective that he was going to tell him about these murders and a few other crimes he didn't know about He started off with his first victim, Laurie Tremblay He used to give Lori a ride to school when he saw her waiting for the bus That day he picked her up and he planned on sexually assaulting her But things go ahead, and he ended up killing her.
0: I undid her bra, everything got out of hand, she freaked out, and we got into a fight. I tried to knock her out because I I just really freaked out. Mm -hmm. It's not right. Took this cotton cord, and I tried to make sure that she would never, ever tell anybody, and I strangled her. And the cotton cord broke more than once. It wasn't Mm -hmm. working. But that's all I Did you just had. use your hands or did you use some yeah. kind of... It was a cord, at ligature. Yeah, no, but I mean, did you use a Yeah, my hands. I f***ed my finger. My finger's f***ed <laughs> up since
2: and it, and He explained that the injured finger from the first murder taught him that he needed to do something different when it came to strangling his victims. That's why he started using the tourniquet. Then he told the detective about the girl he sexually assaulted in her home, but didn't kill. He said that was important because he had fought and defeated the urge to kill her.
0: Got her cooperation and tied her up with electrical cord and raped her. I thought that I was going to do this again, but I promised myself that I wasn't going to take any more lives, no matter what. Sick and f***ed up as it sounds, I really, really, really was trying to get better in a really sick demented way. I don't discount it. I'm not stupid, but I was trying not to do what I promised myself I wasn't
2: going to. He then admitted to murdering Diana Rebelar. He said he came across her while she was walking to the store. As he talked to her, he noticed that no one was around, so he kidnapped her. He attempted to rape her, but he couldn't. He ended up strangling her to death. He then talked about the murder of Dana Sanchez. I was driving
0: around. I saw this girl, she had this look that she was angry and upset, and she was at a payphone.
2: He then offered her a ride to her boyfriend's house.
0: Jumped right in. And we went driving. I started flirting with her and petting on her. And she was joking like, no, 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 I've got a boyfriend, this and that. So, I grabbed her, pulled her into the back of the van. She was fighting. Here is a quick word from our sponsor.
1: We take this few seconds off to inform you our valued loyal listener about the best health and fitness podcast shows from the Nespod Studios. Join us as we give you the best of the best health and wellness updates you can rely on for the treatment of chronic health problems. Classic functional medicine back to basics health tips and special updates from the best doctors in the United States of America. Check out this health and wellness podcast shows. Explore health talk weekly, healthy lifestyle matters, Go get a load of that happiness because happiness is healthy as we know it. Join us every week as we continue to provide you the best of health and fitness wellness updates from around the globe. Enjoy the show.
0: it was so hard and I didn't want it to happen and once again I knew that I couldn't stop, I knew there was nothing I could do to get out of this. I used ligature.
2: He then said that eight days after the murder, he called the news department and gave the location of the body. After confessing to the five crimes, Shore said that he told the detective all the crimes he had committed. Shore was charged with one murder, the murder of Maria Carmen Del Strada. That was because they had the most evidence against him in that case. His DNA was found under her fingernails, and he had confessed to the murder. His trial started on October 18, 2004. Shore's lawyer was trying to get Shore convicted of murder instead of capital murder so he would avoid the death penalty. The trial lasted three days. The defense did not call a single witness. The jury deliberated for an afternoon and the morning, and then they found him guilty of capital murder. His sentencing hearing began on October 22nd. At the beginning of the hearing, Shore shocked everyone when he requested that he wanted to receive the death penalty. The prosecutor was more than happy to grant his request, but she wanted the jury to know just how much of a monster Shore was. They presented evidence that Shore didn't just kill one woman, but he was really a serial killer who brutally murdered four females over nine years. They also had the young woman, whom he sexually assaulted in her house but didn't kill, testify. They even had his daughters testify against him. They talked about the years of sexual abuse they suffered at his hands. The sentencing hearing lasted four days. The jury deliberated for an hour before sentencing him to death. On January 18, 2018, after spending 13 years on death row, Fifty-five-year-old Anthony Allen Shore was brought into the death chamber of the Huntsville Unit in Huntsville, Texas. Shore's final words were, I'd like to take a moment to say I'm sorry. No male words can ever undo what I've done. To the family of my victims, I wish I could undo the past. It is what it is. God bless all of you. I will die with a clear conscience. I made my peace. There is no others. I would like to wish a happy birthday to Barbara Carroll. Today is her birthday. I would like to especially thank those who have helped me. You know who you are. God bless everybody until we meet again. I'm ready, Warden. Then, when the drugs were being injected, he said, Oh, wee, oui, I can feel that. Anthony Allen a.k.a. the Tourniquet Killer, was pronounced dead at 6.28 p.m. Central Standard Time.
0: This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.